Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. spirituality, uh, to expand our minds, to expand our spirits, and to expand our understanding. And we're going to start with Gabriel's Worldwide Religion of Love, hosted by Michael and Diane Duncan. Uh, Today, their guests are Donna Dingulo and Nick Curto. Greetings and welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Hello from New York City. Greetings from Thank the you. you. Hi, Donna. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And just so you know, my last name is pronounced De Angelo. De Angelo. I apologize, and I will uh, correct thank it. You. <laughs> thank you. Thank um, you. We seem to have lost Michael and Diane. They were here a second ago on the board. Uh, so until they call back in, uh, I guess we will continue. Um, both of you have new shows, and starting uh, next month, Donna's show will be on this particular program. And Nick, one of your shows is switching to this uh, day um, and to focus more on the Urantia book. Uh, so until we get back, Michael and Dan, why don't we talk about uh, that? Um, do you want to talk about if there are any changes to Nick Curdle Presents the Urantia book? Well, I'm very excited about it, of course. Um, I will uh, I will talk to any group at any time about the Arantia book because it's it certainly has been a, an amazing journey uh, for me personally to find that amazing, loving book and to embrace it. And it's been over, I can't believe it's been over 30 years, and it's been such a wow. part of my life. Uh, it doesn't seem possible, really. It does not. And I got to say about the people who I've met who are Urantia book readers uh, are dear, dear friends of mine now. And I don't know how 
life would be without them. <laughs> and uh, the New York, uh, the uh, Urantia Society of Greater New York, uh, I feel as though that's family to me. Uh, we're having, actually, we're having a meeting for the society this coming Saturday uh, here in, in Manhattan. And uh, that's uh, people from uh, Connecticut and from New Jersey, as well as New York, all attend this, this meeting. And just briefly, what we do there is someone is asked uh, a month or two before if they would provide a worship service. And that could be anything that they feel is appropriate. So you get people of very different backgrounds, different cultures, different musical tastes, uh, and, and, and more. And then they will fashion a, uh, a worship service that they feel is appropriate and it's been amazing just that journey when they asked me to do a worship service for the very first time in my life. It was like, wow, you know, oh boy, I want to do this right. And uh, it's, it's been an emotional and a beautiful experience. And everybody uh, over the years who've, who's done one of those, it's been an amazing journey. And after that, someone it presents a, a, uh, an hour, maybe an hour, 20 minutes program. And they choose a subject related to the Urantia book. So it's quite an afternoon. Uh, that, that's the And then after a break, uh, we then uh, go to uh, a business meeting, which happens uh, a lot. And that is uh, the business of the day, what we're doing, if there's money to be appropriated for certain projects, uh, that will be discussed. So it's, it's a very wonderful afternoon. Um, and I'm very excited about the programs. We do have a, a big change of schedule now. And uh, yeah. I've just alerted the people about that, the people that I'm going to be having on my, my programs. Fantastic. And I know I've, I always enjoy your programs. They have a wide variety of people, uh, uh, and they range from people who are quiet with their spirituality to folks who are out there talking about it. So uh, there's a very wide range of uh, uh, people and experiences that you always bring to the show. So I'm looking forward to your new show and to – uh, the new date of uh, the uh, Urantia book. Donna, uh, please tell us more about yourself and uh, your show. Well, th- thank you, Hercules. Um, my show um, will be based on the work that I'm doing with the Institute of Christ Consciousness that I founded uh, last year that uh kind of morphed from my uh, Center for Christ Consciousness that was begun in 2002. And I'm still kind of playing with a few themes, but most of the work that I've been doing is to help people overcome, especially the unconscious uh, limitations that exist within the mind and body. And my work has taken me to a very deep inner place of looking at human consciousness, how it is constructed, how it functions, where do we align with the divine ways of life under universe principles, and where do we kind of get off track. So I'm thinking about talking about the different aspects of human consciousness because it's something that I feel is needing to be fleshed out more um, in our society, especially when people feel that they don't have a purpose for life or they face a lot of depression, 
uh, and anxiety. Uh, the approach that I take is to connect, help people get more connected to the spirit presence within and to help people uh, move beyond the mental chatter and uh-huh. the din of our culture that really acts as interference from hearing the divine inner leadings and inner voice. So I think I'm going to be mostly focusing on that in different ways and different um, avenues of looking at how our consciousness works, how we heal it, how we align with the divine within us. I hope that's a little bit of a taste. (laughs) So you'll be having on, uh, you'll be talking uh, mostly, will you be having guests on? I do plan to have guests. I do have plan to have people who have, uh, have had experience in working with me to talk about their experiences and how they've evolved through the work that the uh, Institute of Christ Consciousness offers, the ministry, the services that we provide. But we'll probably talk about other things, too, and have other guests uh, who are doing healing work, too. So um, I'm just kind of sitting with it and asking for guidance on how to do the show. But I I think we'll we'll have um, testimonials and people speaking about the healing process from different modalities as well. Oh, it sounds uh, incredibly uh, awesome, and I'm looking forward to uh, it uh, launching and uh, being a part of its evolution. Now, the Center for Christ uh, Consciousness, um, is it based on a particular set of uh, teachings? Like, is it based on the Urantia book? Is it based on uh, um, Judeo-Christianity? Is it based on uh, the New Age uh, teachings, the neo-theosophical ones? Um, does it have a foundation or is this something that comes from uh, channeling from being uh, in direct contact with uh, the source within? Well, the Institute of Christ Consciousness is based the, the book that I have really resonated with the most in my life is the Arantia book. I've been okay. a student of the book for 45 years. And I also got involved with the celestial helpers and teachers who have been working within our minds, like channelers, to help us perceive higher information. But my main objective is to connect people to their indwelling divine spirit and then at a more what you might call – uh, intimate level of the divine parents uh, that we have, just as we have human parents, we have spirit parents who love us and know us more intimately than we know ourselves. And the indwelling spirit and the two spirit parents, mother and father, form what you might call a trio of a spiritual Uh, circuits or influences within our higher consciousness that we can actually have access to and and develop personal intimacy, loving relationships, affectionate, and receive guidance and support uh, and insights from them. And most of what we try to do is help people 
clear out the interference within their own minds, especially at the deeper subconscious levels. And that's something that I've been trained for many years to provide that focus. So it's like the divine parents can get in and those memory patterns that people may have had from their human father or human mother or even sibling relationships can be brought to the surface and perceived now from the love and the validation of the divine parents. It's a perspective change that brings people to a a, a better place of understanding their own self-value and worth to God or to to divine source. Uh, And it's not only conceptual, but it's experiential. There are feelings associated. When a person who is very, let's say, feels unworthy or feels a lot of guilt and shame, our divine parents and their divine spirit can come in and show that person a different perspective of why they feel that way and feed them with love and validation. And that gives that person a higher emotional response, if you will, and a bigger conceptual frame of reference so that they're not seeing themselves as a a small, uh, insignificant human, but something, someone who is very important to, to the divine source of the divine plans of life. Um, Wow. That sounds awesome, Donna. Um, Now, Nick, you are, um, your focus a little bit different. Both of you were attracted to the, uh, message of uh, interfaith cooperation, and that's how I started actually with uh, both of you. Um, and I've been to several of your meetings for the Urantia book in uh, New York City, and I was very impressed um, that uh, basically um, everyone comes with their own understanding and reads from the book and then shares their understanding. And there doesn't seem to be a standard way you have to understand what you're um, you know, reading or listening to, but you share what light you get from it. And that, that was very powerful. Well, I think that is one of the high points of uh, our study group is that when we read a passage and it will enact questions from people and they're coming sometimes from very different backgrounds, uh, but they are open to, to learning and to understanding what the Orange Book is about. So some of the questions dig very, very deep and really make you stop and think. And some people will then uh, join in and say, I can answer that. Um, some of the people are, have been reading a longer time. Others have just embraced the book very recently. So, so it's a real combination of, of readers from uh, longtime readers as well as brand new readers. So, and that's a wonderful dynamic because also then it means that people who've been reading a long time become the teachers too and they develop their teaching uh, technique if you will uh, by answering those questions and if they they haven't got the exact answer they'll go deep looking into the book until they find it so and it's a you're right it's a very exciting way to explore the book I know that some um, study groups just want to read the book and don't stop to ask a question they want to just go ahead and that's okay if that's their style but uh in fact, I went to one study group in Texas one time when I was in the area, 
And they, the one thing I remember from them is they were asking uh, very good questions, and they would stop and pop more popcorn. <laughs> Every, it was a popcorn kind of an evening. And I love the fact they did that. You know, it was, then they share the popcorn, and then they go back to the book. And uh, it was just a kind of a nice way to break <laughs> it up a little bit. Now we have only one hour uh, uh, every every, uh, every two weeks. We have uh, two study groups a month, and that is funded by the uh, by the society, the uh, Rancher Society of Greater New York, and uh, that's what that's what uh, we get the funding because we rent a room uh, to to do this. And uh, now some people have uh, big apartments or homes, and they have their study group there, but uh, in in our case we we rent a room. And uh, in the, the West Village, actually, on, on West 13th Street, and we do it there. So, um, again, uh, the study group is always new and different and energized, and um, I look forward to it. Um, is your experience with the Urantia book over all the years that you've studied uh, the same, Donna, or did you do something different? Um, well, I've participated in many study groups over the years. I actually host a study group in our home in Delray Beach, Florida. Presently, we meet twice a month for about two hours, and we read the book in succession. And we stop to have discussions and questions uh, as we read through the different sections. So um, I guess I'm just kind of familiar with that format. Uh, I've been involved in study groups for uh, off and on for a number of years, and most recently the study group that we've been hosting here has been going on in, in uh, Florida in the um, Delray Beach region for probably about 10, 12, uh, 10, 12 years or so, maybe even more. So, um, yeah, every group just kind of decides what they want to do. Uh, there's, a, there's no one, one right way to study the, group, the book, but I think it is helpful for new readers to come into a group where there are seasoned readers, people who've had many years to digest the, the, the big overarching themes and, and help people get oriented but it really is up to each individual to take their own meaning. And I think that's what I liked about the book so much as, com as compared to organized religion, which tells you what to believe. This is giving you the what you might call the inner tools to have your own truth discernment uh, help you perceive what rings that, that bell of truth to you. Well, may I ask a question? Sure. Uh, just Donna, how did you find the book? I'd be curious. <laughs> I was out on a date when I was very young, and this gentleman um, and I started having a metaphysical conversation. And uh, he told me about the Urantia book. He told me about some of the things that were in there, the story of Adam and Eve, not the biblical account, but the account in the Urantia book talked about the concept of the thought adjusters, the indwelling spirit of God that lives within our higher levels of consciousness. He talked about Jesus and the missing years. And I was so intrigued that uh, this was in Buffalo, New York in 1975, 
that the next day I went down to the public library and lo and behold, there was the book. So I opened (laughs) it up to the very first pages and the words just leapt off the pages into my heart and soul and, and my truth bells were going ding, 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 ding. This is what you've been looking for. I had, I've never had such a profound experience with a book as I had with this one. It was unbelievable. (laughs) You know, when I ask people that on my podcast too, when I have your ranch book readers and one of the questions I ask them is that, uh, how did you find the book or how did the book find you? And always, it's just such amazing, interesting stories, and, and, and certainly yours is too. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yes, you're welcome. You. We have Nick and uh, we have uh, Michael and Diane with us. Uh, so welcome to your show, Michael and Diane. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much. It's great to be on our show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for... We uh, missed you. We did. We missed you. We very well, much. Yes. Well, thanks, yes. guys. So sorry about that. Uh, we've just been trying to, to call in for about 20 minutes or so, but I guess uh, there was a, maybe a little mix-up on the line or the line was busy or something like that. So oh. we were trying to call in, but uh, now we're in. And uh, it was it was a real delight, though, um, Donna, to hear about your the beginnings of your quest with the Arantia book. And, of course, uh, you know, we... We've known uh, about Nick's Nick's journey with uh, the Urantia book and how he found the Urantia book. Um, and Diane and I, we've you know Diane's a, a second generation reader. Uh, her mother and father read the Urantia books, and we had the Urantia books around uh, in the home for many many years. And uh, taking care of the kids and some of the uh, extra duties we were involved in kind of overwhelmed us. So we needed to reconnect spiritually. So we opened up the Urantia book, and Donna, it's interesting because uh, one of the first, because uh, we had been reading for you know decades, but but uh, we refound the Urantia book, and one of the first things we came to that we really studied was Adam and Eve, yeah. and you, mm. you mentioned mm-hmm. you mentioned that you know, and uh, it was it's just such an intriguing story, uh, it's such a wonderful story, inspiring. Uh, you know, of course, it's fraught with drama, like like every <laughs> everyone's life is on Earth. But uh, but then we started getting into that. So, all right, here's Diane. She wants to say hi. It's nice to nice to talk to you guys. Hi guys. We've been sitting here trying to get in on all of this. So thank you. <laughs> we finally got in. Um, listen, you know, it's interesting. I, I I want both of you to know this that uh, I, I had a mentor. Uh, that was very important in my life, and it was William Lester Blessing. And he used to send out brochures about his feelings about religion, and he would tell us that there were many Adams and Eves all over the universe. And he would tell us that Adam and Eve were, you know, taller than normal people and that they shone with light. And then when I found the Arantia book, uh, it said almost the same thing. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, wow. that there were many, many Adams and Eves that were sent out throughout the universe and throughout the universes. And so I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Now, all of these things that I learned from Mr. Blessing growing up as a child from the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, that the, the Arantia book... Um, re- repeated to me when I found it, 
and I and I just really am wondering now. Of course, Mr. Blessing's been passed away since about uh, 1984, I think. And so I can't talk to him exactly, but I'm really wondering where did he get this information because uh, so much of it sounds like the Urantia book. But, but Diane, he never mentioned the Urantia book ever? No, no, but he was in the Masons. He was a 32nd degree Mason. Now, I don't know if that uh, that organization teaches some of these things or not, um, I know there's a, one level that's a Rosicrucian-like uh, teaching, and there's, you know, different things. Pardon me, Michael. Uh, Martinus and so forth. Uh, so I'm wondering, uh, for all those years that I, I, you know, I was born in 43, so he was sending out all this information. He was born in 1900, and we'd get a brochure every month. And so much of the Urantia book... I, I learned before I ever found the Rancher book because Mr. Blessing taught us about these things. That is so interesting. I would give anything to know where he got that information. That's a, that's well, a great question. I, I would, too. And he uh, talked about so many of the things. Like he would talk about now because he would come out to California about every month or so and take us out to dinner, and then he would have his big lecture, and he'd be filled. I mean, his auditoriums were filled with hundreds of people, and I'd go around and take the donations from his white hat, you know, when I was a little girl. <laughs> but uh, he would <laughs> he would tell us. That uh, there's one, you know, Melchizedek in the Bible, he'd say, but he says no. He said, there's just lots and lots. It's a whole society of Melchizedeks, you know, and he'd talk about them, and he knew all of these things. Now, where where did he get this? You know, that's what I'm thinking. the The book was published in '55, but he was right. telling us these things uh, ten years before. Wow! That, do you know if he had, had? Do you know if he had attended the forum in Chicago? Did he ever say I, anything I about that? I do not that? know. I don't know. Uh, we were all Colorado people, and uh, that is where uh, you know that he had his um, church. And when we moved back to Colorado, then we did attend his church there. And my mother sang in his little. Uh, choir. He was a Baptist minister in the beginning, but he was thrown out of the Baptist church because of his uh, advanced ideas. I'm going to use the word advanced. And <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm just wondering because this this was before 55. Now Donna, I don't know. Uh, you know, I knew him so well as a child, and until I uh, became an adult, and then as an adult, and then my father worked for his church for a while, and my mother, of course, like I say, sang for it, uh, and we were there for many years, but I don't know where he got all this information. So when I found the Arantia book, it was like rehearing it, because he had told us so much of this. That's incredible. No, I, uh, I think that no. he would have definitely mentioned the, the name of the Arantia book if that was the sourcing. And because he did not, then, then that, I, I would gather that because he never mentioned the title of the book, that he's getting this from another place. Another, and I would love to know that. That's a great question. 
Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, Nick, this is the gentleman uh, that we talked about who uh, he has, he he was the one that wrote the book, uh, Inner Earth People and Outer Space People. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's uh, I think uh, Hercules might have gotten his book, or I, I, I uh, talked to Hercules about his book uh, that yes. he published it. Yeah, and uh, one of the, one of the, uh, people that's working with you, Hercules, was one of the people that uh, helped to compile it, edit it, and put it out yes. you know, with a nice with a nice cover and everything. Yeah, that's the same person, William Blessing. William Blessing. Yeah. I wonder if anybody from the uh, Urantia uh, Foundation or from the fellowship n- knew him and would have more information. I wonder. Yeah, maybe. You never know. Uh, you know, because you know, he was in Colorado. And Michael, you yeah. could uh, unsock him in because you get that, uh-huh. I'm sure, and you could yeah. ask that as a question, and you might get a response. That might be a uh-huh. way to find the uh, answer question. Uh-huh. Now, his book yeah. is on Amazon, Nick, if you want to get it. It's a very interesting book. Uh, it's called Inner Earth, Inner Earth and Outer Space People. What a great title. Yeah, That's got my interest right now. Right. <laughs> I will. Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, before we get into our spiritual healing, guys, because I know that's the topic of our uh, of our show yep. tonight, um, yep. Donna, I just wanted to see if you could give the listeners just a little bit of an intro of your spiritual path before you found the Urantia book. Were were the were the celestials were the celestials involved? <clears throat> Did you feel like the celestials were involved in uh, your path, uh, le- maybe leading up to the Urantia book? And you too, Nick, after after Donna. Sure. I was very young when I found the Urantia book. I was 21, and I was raised in a, a very... Um, traditional Christian church. It was the Lutheran uh, denomination. And um, I attended Sunday school. I taught Sunday school when I was a teenager. But it was about in my mid-teens that I started to question the biblical teachings. And um, that's really what led me to step away from the church and find, eventually find the Urantia book. I was also at that time, uh, I would say in my teens, very interested in uh, ESP, which was, that's what was the big term back then, ESP. This was in the early uh, 70s. And I knew that there was a, there was a connection between ESP and God, but I did not know what that was. And it was really until I started studying the Urantia book and then the concept of mind as they presented that I began to see the uh, the inter uh, connectivity of these two realms so um, I was I was just a, a very I guess I, my parents said I was a very spiritual little girl uh, <laughs> I don't really remember that much about it but my mom did say and this is just a little little story that when we moved into our new home when I was five, a much larger home, on moving day, I said to my mother, Mommy, I love my new home. I want to thank God for it. 
And she said that we got right down on our knees and prayed right there, right in the middle of the moving. And I don't, I don't remember that, but she told me that. So I guess I had spiritual leadings when I was very little. (laughs) Well, certainly we can see that now. (laughs) Took a while to come out, (laughs) but once I found the Urantia book, uh, I, I, uh, that's really what started my me on my path. But it wasn't really until. I started meditating in the early 90s and made contact with some of my uh, unseen helpers and my indwelling spirit that things really took off, you know, in a much more deep, profound manner. And then eventually I I founded my uh, first nonprofit in uh, 2002, the Center for Christ Consciousness. So that's kind of a very brief, (laughs) very brief history. Well, we were uh, listening. Michael and I have really been enjoying the CDs that you gave us and sent to us, and that come into the stillness. Oh, we listened to that over and over and over. <laughs> we just really love it. It's just wonderful. It, uh, we like to meditate every night together, and so we mm-hmm. chose your CD to uh, start doing this, and I just want to tell you, I think it really should be in the hands of everybody, not just your rancher readers. It's really wonderful. Well, as spread the word around. Thank you. <laughs> as an aside, Nick, you've I'm got glad to get we that. some of your music uh, here as well. We play uh, people's songs, so if you have creative uh, um, work that you'd like uh, played, uh, we can uh, communicate about that in emails after the show. Very good. Very good. Thank you. And I'd be interested in it, too. That sounds wonderful. I would certainly like to get a copy. Yeah, it's really nice. It's a, uh, it's a meditation CD, and it takes you through the seven steps to stillness. And uh, Donna, Donna uh, lent us, or uh, she sent us, sent us one of her books uh, that talks about, uh, that, you know, talks about the underlying philosophy behind uh, the seven steps to stillness. And uh, we've been really reading it and studying it, and the CD really brings it home, Donna. It's a it's a wonderful experience. And you know the the music is so nice. The lady that did the music, uh, who's Henny Becker? Oh, it's a gentleman. Yeah, he's a Canadian oh, that, gentleman. Oh, that's a gentleman. Yeah. Okay, gentleman. Yeah. Uh, the music is really nice, very high quality, and. Uh, it, you got a really good. Uh, you set up a really good atmosphere for for people in general, not just your ancient book readers, like Diane said, but uh, people in general to, you know, to prepare themselves to uh, enter the stillness, to re- you know, talk to God, to receive the benefits, the healing benefits, and then uh, the thanking, and then I like at the end, I like the invocation of the presence of the celestials to, to shower us and top everything off. It's just, it's just, it's really nice. It's really nice. Nick, you need a, you need a copy and Hercules, you need a copy. It's really nice. And of course you guys know that, uh, that we have, you know, some music that we, uh, that we've been writing. We have uh, five albums and our sixth album is almost done guys. And, uh, Donna, I want you to know that uh, you know you really inspired us with the CD and with the book and the stillness. That I was inspired to write a song, and the song is no. called "The Song Is Called Be Still and Know God's Love." Mm. There's a 
there's a little meditation, well, maybe about four minutes of meditation before the singing comes in. Um, I'm not going to do the meditation because, you know, people might fall asleep on the radio here, but uh, I'm going to sing the, the sung portion of it for you guys right now, okay? And it's Fantastic. called it's called Be Still and Know God's Love. Hmm. Inspired by Donna D'Angelo. Be still and know God's love, the blessings of God's love, oneness in God, unity in universal thoughts. Be still and know God's love. The blessings of God's love, oneness in God, unity in universal Thank you. 
you've got another wonderful song now that's oh, incredible well, thank you thank you, thank and you so i gotta much. say your voice you're you're uh, channeling whitney houston on some of those endings uh, i mean you're, you're really, oh boy no really it's uh that's a talent and you i can see i could i know your songs from before and you're putting a little more on the end of those and going into higher notes of a, a Whitney Houston uh, signature, and you're doing it. So congratulations. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Thanks, guys. Hey, you know uh, this is uh, this is what uh, this is what we're talking about now uh, with uh, with Donna's influence here uh, in this in this song, and then you know she's really inspiring us. She's really inspiring us, Donna, to uh, you know to tell people to start telling people more more because we have a little bit before, but more to seek the stillness, to talk to God, and to really receive receive the blessings, receive the blessings of that that time and that stillness. And and in the process, like you say in your book, Donna, that health, health naturally occurs, uh healing and wellness naturally occur when you when you're in there with the father and the mother. Well, thank you for recognizing that, and I really can't take credit for the book because this is what was uh, given to to me and to other people who have been involved with the teachers of the celestial origin who have come here to help us move beyond the materialism of our culture and recognize the spiritual component of our human makeup. And just as we need water and food and air to feed our our material body, love, God's source of, uh, the source of love that comes from God feeds our soul, our spiritual nature. And without that component being active in our lives, we only live, in my opinion, a half-life. And, and that's why people sometimes suffer from so much depression is because they don't feel that that sense of purpose, that sense of value, that worth that we have because they're cut off from their spiritual nature. And, you know, this has been one of the biggest themes that I'd like to get across to people in my life, you know, in my ministry, is to help people get back to their spiritual roots, their spiritual yeah. foundation, because... That's what's going to get them the most love and support and sense of purpose in life. It's fundamental now because, you know, people are are suffering and they don't know where to go. They look outside themselves when it's all within. And to clear out that interference within that that, uh, poses that restriction within their minds and their thoughts and their feelings. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you resonate with that. 
it's yeah. very important oh, right fantastic. now for this time. Yeah, and also, what you're also identifying is isolation, isolation uh, from, from the amazing love of, of the Universal Father. And if you don't have that and get more isolated and more alone, that just breeds all the things, uh, Donna, that you're talking about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it, it's as if our spiritual uh, inner devices or uh, apparatus has been disconnected, and it's like the phone system, you know, you got static on the line, and we're trying to clear out the signal uh, and get the connections back so people can hear the inner voice more clearly. Uh, because that inner voice is a loving voice, it's a positive voice, it's a healing voice, yeah. and it wants to help us. But we've and got we to make the effort. That. You, yeah. you have yeah. to hey, have Dick. that inner voice. Without Dick. that, it just how doesn't make the, sense. Uh, how did the voice come to you, uh, Nick, in uh, your your pre-Urantia book uh, discovery days? Uh, well, sure I've got a quick story for you uh, if we have yeah. a couple of minutes, but... Uh, my mother and father were both uh, Catholic, and my father's uh, sister, the little one, uh, the, the youngest one, uh, ran away to become a nun because my grandfather forbid her to do that. So, and I loved her. She was, she's gone now uh, to her reward, but she was uh, what my mother would call full of the dickens. She was fun and lively, and I always loved her. And when she would come to our home, uh, she would bring holy water, and she would bless the whole land. I just loved her so much, and I've always been around that. When I was uh, probably around 17, I considered being a, a, a priest. And that was a time that there was a decision there, and I was thinking there were other interests I had, but one of them was that. Um, I remember my mother, and I, I don't remember this uh, clearly. I do remember this somewhat, but my mother said when I was about seven or eight years old, I had playmates. And uh, they were from the a Jewish community and the Christian community. And uh, there were three or four of them that we all hung together. And my, my little pet uh, was like a, uh, uh, a, not a clam, but like a little, um, oh, something I found on the beach, this little guy. And I kept him in a terrarium. But he had died. And as a kid, you know, especially this is very upsetting. And so I decided to have a funeral for him. And my mother said, she looked out the window, and I had uh, buried him. And my, my, my little friends of all different uh, um, religious persuasions had also kneeled down, and we were saying prayers together. <laughs> and so, right, and I just love that story. And I remembered a little bit, my mother said, oh, when I saw that, Nick, it was just, it was too much. And so I've always had that. Uh, we used to go to the window and look up at the stars at night and I and look at the universe and how can you not uh, look at the miracle of the universe in, in our lives and not uh, feel that deep connection with the universal father? I mean, how could you not? So that was the very beginning. And when I graduated from the Massachusetts College of Art and Design in Boston and went to New York to, to do to actually seek my advertising and design career. And at that time, I wanted to explore other spiritual callings um, and other nationalities. I really wanted to do that, and what better place than New York City? And I, I did do that. I was blessed with some incredible friends that I, I met and uh, got into their 
uh, different um, callings uh, spiritually and uh, other, um, also uh, uh, ethnically, uh, different foods. And I loved that. It was incredible. And so uh, when I was looking for other uh, places to, to worship, I came upon the, um, uh, the uh, Unitarian Church, which is on Lexington Avenue and 78th Street. It's a famous church here. It's called All Souls Unitarian Church. And I was there for two years, every Sunday morning, and they would read from the Torah and the Bible and E.E. E. Cummings and you name it that they felt were worthy of listening to. And after two years, on a Sunday morning, uh, the minister said, and for our last reading this morning, we're going to read from the Arantia book. Oh. And I thought, maybe that's an Eastern Indian. It was such a funny name, Urantia. Never heard of it uh-huh. before. And Donna... He read a couple of paragraphs from the book and then said, uh, go in peace, and we, everyone was falling out of the church. I was hit by spiritual headlights from a truck. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I, sat, I sat in that pew for maybe 20 minutes, 20 minutes, because uh-huh. I was in recovery. I thought, wow. is this the book I always wanted? I, somehow I knew it was around, and I just heard two paragraphs from that book. I mean, it was so exciting for me, so exciting. And I tried to remember the funny name so I could seek it out, Urantia, Urantia. And, of course, I did remember it, and uh, eventually I met the people that were representing the book at a a wonderful expo uh, at one of the major hotels. I think it was the Hotel New Yorker. And, uh, you know, people were there with uh, all kinds of – spiritual uh, books and other kinds of uh, wonderful, wonderful thing. It was many, many hundreds of people there. And then in the back of the room, there was a big sign that said, Urantia. And I thought, that's the table. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so like a, a heat-seeking missile, I, I went right through it, and people were handing me brochures as I went past their tables. And I, thank you, thank you. I was taking them. And then I got to the Urantia table, and I said, please tell me about this book. And all the, all the people that were there then are my dearest friends now. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you know, the Urantia book was, Nick, as you know, uh, brought about by a Seventh-day Adventist family. Uh, yes, Dr. Yes. William Sadler was a doctor, but he was also a Seventh-day Adventist minister. And That's of course, correct. Um, his uh, the mentor that mentored him was uh, John Harvey Kellogg, and he was a doctor, and he also uh, was mentored by, of course, Ellen White, <laughs> and she started yes. the Seventh Day Adventist Church. But I, I don't know, Nick, if you've ever read. Uh, if you haven't, I suggest it. Some of Dr. Sadler's other books. Uh, I, he, I have he, a couple of them, but yes, have I haven't them? read them all. But I, I, uh-huh. in fact, I, there was an auction, and I did buy one. Um, I can't uh-huh. remember what the title is. It's in my file now. But yes, I, yes. I, that's, a, that's something I would like to pursue. Yes, um, I, I know. I've been reading some of his books, and um, you know, of course, since he was a doctor, he puts forth you know healthful and celestial living together. And the latest one that I was uh, enjoying here was The Quest for Happiness, 
how you can keep happy, but it has uh, in it all kinds of um, essentials of good health because he was a doctor. And, of course, that you have to have a spiritual life to really uh, have that that, that good, uh, bountiful, uh, prosperous, uh, and uh, uh, healing. But, but I want to mention, too, to both of you also, uh, another person that wrote a book uh, and has become uh, a beginner of a religion, and that's... Um, our beautiful Mary Baker Eddy. Have you heard of her, Nick? Oh, yes, 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 yes. of course. Yeah, Michael sang at one of uh, her churches, and the the words that we heard from the um, person who spoke, they don't really have ministers, they just read from her book. But I wanted mm-hmm. just to read one thing that she said that we heard that I thought and, was so important. And after you read that, we have to end our journey for today. Oh, of course. Of course. It's just real quick here. Um, uh, This Mary Baker Eddy was really a wonderful health um, instigator. Mary says, here's what she says, We must form a perfect model in our thoughts and look at them continually, or we shall never carve them out in grand and noble lives. Let unselfishness, goodness, mercy, justice, and health, holiness, and love, the kingdom of heaven, reign within within us, and sin, disease, and death will diminish until they finally disappear. And I thought about that, and I thought, that is a really wonderful way to live by, too. Uh, she also has put forth a really wonderful uh, way of thinking about how to be healthy, that we need to have our thoughts uh, on what what kind of health that we want, and that will also make those diseases and ills that we have disappear. So I wanted to get that in before the program ended, and here's Michael. Thank you. Oh, and, and she also uh, talked – oh, hold, hold on just we, a second. We, here, have to, we, we have to wrap up, uh, Michael. Okay. The next guest is here. Um, oh, okay. Now, I'd like to give everybody a chance to uh, share their contact information, and we'll start with uh, Donna. Oh, thank you. Uh, people can reach me at the Institute of Christ Consciousness. The URL is www.institutechristconsciousness.org, and there's a contact page on there if anyone is interested in uh, sending me an email, and the phone number of our organization is there, too. Thank you. Thank you. And Nick? Uh, yes, thank you, Hercules. Uh, I, I'm going to give my uh, personal email, and I'd be very happy to answer any any mail that comes in. Uh, it's uh, Nick, N-Y-N-Y, the number one, at gmail.com. Now, the number one is the figure one. I'm going to repeat it. N-I-C-K-N-Y-N-Y, the figure one, at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Nick. And Michael and Diane, how can folks uh, enter your world and experience your creativity and your spiritual work? Oh, well, thank you, Hercules, and thanks for finally getting us on tonight. Appreciate it. Hey, um, we, uh, we have a YouTube channel. It's Michael and Diane Duncan. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A-N-D-D-I-A-N-N-E, 
Duncan. We have over 80 videos of our spiritual, uh, our spiritual work, our, our uh, art, our songs, and our t celestial team meetings. So you can go there and uh, check out those videos. And we have a personal email. It's Michael Duncan, like Dunkin' Donuts, without the apostrophe, the number one, <laughs> at hotmail.com. And I was just going to say about Mary Baker Eddy that uh, she talked about the Christ healing, letting the Christ come in to heal. Yeah. Very awesome. A, a, a topic uh, since we have the Institute for Christ Consciousness that I'm sure we will uh, continue. Thank you to all of you. This was an awesome show. And uh, you'll be hearing from me in the next uh, few days by uh, email uh, so that we can uh, launch uh, um, in an awesome way next month. All right. Well, God thank bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you. And thank you God so much. You. And you too. And we're going to listen to Dave the Bard's Merlin and I uh, before we start our next segment, Living Theosophy with Ellen J.B. Maxson. Much love to all.
slain in this land Many died for the folly of kings And welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and our next segment is Living Theosophy. And I'm greatly honored to have Ellen J.B. Maxson as our guest. Ellen always takes us uh, past the physical and into the emotional and the etheric and the uh, emotional and the mental and the spiritual and the soul levels uh, throughout the entire cosmos. Greetings and welcome, Ellen. How are you? Hercules. Can you hear me all right? I'm using the microphone on my earphones. Yes, I can hear you. Well. Can you hear me? It's okay. 
Yes. Yeah, everything's fine. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Funny that you should introduce me that way because I was going to be speaking about the four lower bodies today and talk about living a spiritual life in the material world. But first, you okay. remember the last time I was on, we were talking about, I questioned, you know, what the day of Jesus's birth was. Yes, and I remember. And my assignment was to find that. Well, I did Google it, and I was led to, you've heard of Jonathan Kahn. He's a rabbinical rabbi? Yes. Okay. I, he's quite a biblical scholar, and the first thing that came up, it was a YouTube thing by him, and he he really was diligent in weaving so many pieces together. I took a lot of notes, but of, of course I can't really make head or tail of it. I meant to uh, go back and really do a whole presentation on it because it was so interesting. And I, I would recommend that people do that. Uh, he does the New Testament, the Old Testament, the Talmud, and everything, all the confluence of of dates and everything that was given to merge into a very definite date, which was March 20th, 6 B.C. How did he come to that date? I've heard different dates. I'd be interested to to hear how he came up with that. Well, there's so many things, but what it comes to is this Nissan One. Um, Let me see. I have all these notes I'm trying to make head or tail of. I have pages of notes that I was taking while I was writing that. Okay. Um, let me see. I don't even remember which was the first page. I have like six small page notes, notes things. Um, let me see. I'm trying to make head or tail of it. Well, we know that the, the Zoroastrians, the, the Magi, were coming, it says, from Persia. They were all right. like astrologers. And the confluence of that, it, that the moving star was Venus and that there's a confluence of oh, where was my Jupiter and Venus and Aries happens every it's a convergence that happens only every six thousand years, and the star hmm. was wandering at that time. Let me see. Um, oh, there were so many details he gave, but I, I can't make head or tail of my notes. Oh, okay, it, it's just so many things. I mean, even John the Baptist, his birth date was given, uh, there was there was actual dates and times and everything given and all these things that come down to the same date over and over again. And the Hebrew calendar, I didn't know this, that it's a lunar calendar and the beginning of each month is a new moon. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Um, and... Um, and then, and here was an interesting thing, um, it was Hippolytus in the Vatican that started the Roman calendar with, and chose the date of December 25th. And, and they're hidden in the vaults of the Vatican is that same date, Nisan 1, that Jesus was born, which comes out to be in the Jewish Hebrew calendar, March 20th, 6 B.C. Yeah. So, but there were so many details that he was going on. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal how they all came together. But I have so many notes going all over the place. I really can't make head or tail. I really was meaning to go and listen to it again and write a whole presentation on it. But, of course, I didn't get around to that. So I apologize for that. There will be other programs and we have time. 
okay? But it was very fascinating. So it was interesting. But anyway, getting back to um, living a spiritual life in the material world, I wanted to go into that. Because okay. it is a fact that some, it's, sometimes it's hard to feel spiritual in the physical body. It's easy to let the physical take precedence over the spiritual and it's easier to let energy gravitate to the density of the material world than it is to raise consciousness in the spiritual dimensions. And in addition to the body, thoughts and emotions are part of the earthly consciousness that everyone has to deal with. And that can be always something pulling us in different directions. Uh, one of the major tests in earth school rooms is learning to integrate the energies of spirit with the energies of matter And living a truly spiritual life means expressing spirituality in every way, in that physical, mental, and emotional. And here's what it entails. The spiritual energies of the higher nature are contained in what the ascended masters call the three higher bodies, the I am presence, the causal body, and the holy Christ self. Those are your higher bodies. And then there are also the four lower bodies, which are the bodies used for expressing ourselves in the material world. These are the physical body, of course, the emotional body, the mental body, and the etheric body. The emotional, mental, and etheric bodies are composed of a form of matter that vibrates at frequencies higher than the physical, which makes them invisible to the average human eye. The all four bodies provide the opportunity for the soul to grow and to develop greater self-awareness and mastery through everyday affairs. The soul, clothed in the four lower bodies, receives the radiance of the I am presence through the Christ self. For the purpose of experiencing matter, for the attainment of self-mastery, and for the fulfillment of her divine plan, the soul is always... um, considered a feminine polarity. When you talk about the soul, you say her. Um, the four okay. lower bodies serve, yeah, uh, serve as a sacred, save a, serve a sacred purpose because they are dwelling place of the soul while it is in matter, and it's important to understand how to best use them to accelerate progress on the spiritual path. Each body has a separate consciousness, yet together they act as a whole, and influence each other in expressing themselves together. These four lower bodies are vehicles that the soul, the soul uses to navigate in the material world. Each body or vehicle has a specific function. Each is designed to help facilitate the mission of the soul on earth. Um, to be, uh, matter is a step down of spiritual energy that has coalesced into in form. Like the higher bodies, the four lower bodies are composed of energy. They can be visualized as sheets of interpenetrating fields of energy surrounding the soul with each body vibrating at a different rate. The following chart shows the level of their vibration from the highest to the lowest. And, of course, the highest is the etheric, and that is considered the fire body. The mental is the air, the emotional, the water, and the physical is the earth body. Okay? 
Um, the four lower bodies can be compared to the elements, fire, air, water, and earth. In this association, the etheric body corresponds to the fire element since it permits one to realize God as a sacred fire. The mental body can be related to the element of air because of the rapid, changeable nature of thought. The emotional body can be thought of as a corresponding to the element of water, which flows constantly like the emotions. The physical body can easily be related to the earth element since it is used to anchor the light of spirit in matter. And it's possible to raise the vibration of the four lower bodies using the spiritual light of the higher bodies so that they can be best possible, they can be the best possible instruments for the soul's development. To gain an understanding of how to master the energies of these bodies, it's helpful to look at their specific functions, and uh, we'll go through these now. So the etheric okay. body, also called the memory body, contains all of one's memories. Memory is critical. It provides the database upon which current choices can be based, and it allows the seeker to progress in life. It records everything from a brief moment in our childhood to deep understanding of who we are in God. Memory defines identity. And it says that the ascended master throughout the space said, quote, without memory, identity would fall. Without memory, purpose would not be perceived, nor would there be any integration of purpose. The gift of memory is intended to be a purified faculty designed by God to enable men to rise in awareness step by step until self-mastery is gained. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything we learn is built on our past memories. Otherwise, we'd be like, well, not little children exactly, but, uh, you know, you see what happens when people get lose their memories. It's just they're not themselves. Yeah. I was just thinking that uh, I, I had an aunt who had dementia and I'm getting older myself. So my memory isn't as keen as it once was. Uh, so I can understand uh, the implications of what you're saying. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So it does not only does the etheric body contain the memory of the present lifetime, but it also contains the memory of everything that has transpired since the soul was first created. All the thoughts, feelings, words, and actions that a soul has ever expressed through the mental, emotional, or physical bodies are recorded in what is called the lower etheric body. Even if one is not consciously aware of these memories, the soul is aware of them at inner levels. What's really interesting to me, if you ever read any of Cryon teachings, he says now is a time when we can call to our higher self to access past lifetime, say you're having, you know, a weak heart or a weak kidney or whatever, you can actually call on your higher self to access the DNA of another lifetime that had a healthy heart or kidney or whatever and pull that electronic blueprint into your physical body. I, I didn't find know that. that. That's interesting. Yeah. I know. And this really, you know, as I'm studying this, that this, your etheric body 
contains all memory since the soul or, or the being was created. And that would include your other lifetimes. And so, you know, Kryon says that the other, other DNAs, like all 12 strands, are awakening now, and they connect to our other lifetimes as well, all memory. So we, we can access those things as well, which is really very amazing. Um, you know, it's a real gift of this age that we're able to, to do that. We just have to believe it's true and call on it to do it. Um, so, okay. Everyone has experienced painful memories. These memories can cause fear, anxiety, anger, or sadness in the present, even if an incident took place many years or lifetimes ago. Intense memories, including unconscious ones, can also prevent one from experiencing fulfillment and personal growth. Moreover, negative memories can prevent the seeker from fully recognizing his soul's mission, which is really amazing. You see people who are getting into addictions and all of these things, and a lot of it is from pain that they just cannot put their finger on where it comes from. So it's really important that you address these issues um, so your current life isn't ruined by them. So because the etheric body is the highest vibrating of the four lower bodies, it is the entryway to the higher bodies. Therefore, it can, be, it can receive the illumination of the Christ self most easily and then transmit that light to the other three lower bodies. When the etheric body is cleared of negative memories, one is free to see the single most important memory that God impressed upon the etheric body in the beginning, the memory of the soul's divine blueprint. This blueprint is stored in the higher etheric body, and it is twofold. The blueprint of origin, the soul's creation after the image and likeness of God, and the blueprint of the soul's divine plan which the soul received in the beginning and which she came forth to fulfill in the dimensions of matter. This divine blueprint is more than four-dimensional and contains the record and nature of the I am presence. So that's pretty amazing. I mean, everybody's always looking for their purpose. What am I here for? What, what is my... And it's there. It's written in you. You just have to clear everything away. To access it, but it is within you. So that's pretty interesting too. That's very um, interesting. Are there things mm-hmm. somebody can do to get to that point? Uh, uh, is mm-hmm. there, yes. are there practices or ways of being that uh, help you navigate through uh, all these negative memories and experiences? Yes, and we will get to that. Let me see. Uh, okay. Oh, I okay. have 10 more minutes. <laughs> okay, I'll pass. I'll go through it quickly because I have a lot here. Um, okay, so I'll get to, let's see. Um, the violet flame um, helps to cleanse it, to purify it, and to transmute all, all of that. Uh, that's the, one of the main reasons, main things that could be cleared about it, and I will get to that. Um, okay. I wanted to go through a little bit the mental body, but you know what? We'll go through that maybe next time, the other bodies, because this is really important. Yes, it is. To to show ways to be clearing it. Let me see. Okay. Um, Let's see. The healing light 
history. We're going to go to purifying the four lower bodies, but right now the etheric senses, the memory body will deal with that because that is the the opening pathway between the I am presence and all the four lower bodies, which is really amazing uh, because it is the light of God and your own mighty I am presence. Um, the I am presence is explained by the ascended masters that you were created in the beginning as a perfect atom of God. Think of it as a drop of water in the ocean. But God's entire being created you as the droplet, only it's a fire droplet, as okay. the self. And, and all of the perfect God is within that I am presence. And it has the power of eternal mastery. I mean, it, it has all the faculties of God. But it's you as you were created in the beginning. And then, of course, we came into the physical, created karma, blah, blah, blah. But the I am presence is still you, and it's still attached to you, and you have that connection to it. And it is the perfect self that you were created in the beginning, and it's always waiting for you to call for help. Uh, because, it, you know, if it follows the law of the higher realms, it cannot interfere with the free will of with us here on earth. So it waits for us to call, and you have to believe. And this is like the most amazing thing. I just got something that was... Um, Oh, it was a dictation from a long time ago that said, if you cannot see yourself as God, you, you, you don't believe in God because you, you were created by God. And, you know, everything about you is the whole, whole wholeness of God. And that really struck me. And when I, now as I'm speaking of the I am presence, I mean, that, who, that is who you are and that's who I am and that's who each of us is in the wholeness of God, and we're always saying, oh, I'm not worthy, I can't do this, whatever. But it's like God says, when you say those things, you're denying me. And I thought that was so powerful, that when you deny your self-worth, you're denying God. And so it's really important to see yourself as a creation of God and, and honor yourself like that, okay? So here we're going to go into purifying the four little bodies, to make the greatest spiritual progress possible and restore our soul to the purity and wholeness in the beginning, it's important to be mindful of purifying and bringing it into balance, the energy of the four lower bodies. While there are many ways to go about this, including therapy, healing, different healing modalities, the Ascended Masters have given us some marvelous tools to accelerate the process. I will get to some things on the Violet Flame but this is um, a, like a healing meditation. The light of the I am presence can balance and heal the four lower bodies. There is more than one way. You know, all, this, all these healings today with laser light, you can imagine the power of your own I am presence. It's like billions of times more powerful. And it's right there for your beck and call. It's amazing to think that we have that. But you have to call it with sincerity and in your depth of your heart. You know, the more you can go into a deep meditation when you call on your I am presence, the stronger the connection is going to be. And anybody who meditates knows the more you do practice it, the stronger it gets each time. Yeah. So, yeah, so let's just, you know, that's what we're talking about here. So um, meditating upon the words, I am that I am, and giving I am affirmations. 
When given with full faith and devotion, these affirmations draw the light of your I am presence into whatever situation you are addressing. Uh, For instance, if you say, I am perfect harmony manifesting in my emotional body, you say this long enough, eventually you will become the outpicturing of perfect harmony in your emotional body. Or if you can say, I am the clear mind of God acting in this situation. You're affirming that God in you, your I am presence, is bringing about the desired condition. Picture like a billion times brighter than a laser beam working on your own body, your own emotional body, your own mental body, and the physical body. Um, I think it's miraculous. And really, our whole body is everything. It's just made up of electrons, protons, neutrons. We're all electronic beings. So when the light of God comes into it, everything can be recalibrated back to its own perfect divine blueprint. No doubt in my mind about that. And I think the greater people believe in that, that's the faith of it. I think the more effective it is. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. Like Greg Braden, he has on YouTube, it's like a 30, I think it's 30 or three minutes to heal cancer. Did you ever wow. hear of that? No, that I'm not they heard. show. This is an amazing thing. It's like in China, there's like a big hospital where they heal pretty naturally. And they have a woman that has a, a big tumor in a kidney, which it can't be operated on. So there's somebody with an ultrasound on her, and she believes it, the ultrasound guy, and four or five doctors come in. They're wearing their white coats, but they all totally believe it. And they and he says you can choose any word. They all have a chant. I don't know what the word is. It's a Chinese word. And they're all just chanting, boom, 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 whatever it is, word, chant, 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 chant. For three minutes, and you watch on the ultrasound, the tumor disappear. <laughs> wow. Amazing. It's amazing. I mean, it just takes faith and, of course, you know, the multiplication of the one. If you, There's more people that believe in it. It's even more powerful. So when you do this with your own body or your mind, you must believe it. And if you don't believe it, one time I was really, um, you know, struggling with my own faith and I prayed on it. And God said, just say, I believe, I believe. And I'm like, that sounds too simple. Just say, I believe, uh-huh. I believe. But I think, I think it works. Because I'm a great believer today. So, so it must have started me off in the right direction. So I believe, I believe. Okay. And the that's, I am discourse is the. That's a, that's a great place uh, to end because our time is wrapping up. Okay. Uh, I would like to, as soon as you're ready, I'd like to extend your show to be a little bit longer because we always get to very profound uh, places. Uh, you're awesome. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Ellen, I look forward to our next conversation, both on and off the air. And uh, this is really fantastic stuff. Thank you so much. It's a blessing to everybody. And in the name of the I am that I am, I ask God to send everyone who's listening oceans and oceans and oceans of violet flame to transmute any issues that they're dealing with here and now. And I accept it done. Amen. Amen. And the same to you and yours. That's an awesome blessing. Uh, We're going to take a brief break. We're going to listen to Artemis of the Hunt by Kelliana. And then we'll be back with Living Mythology.
Artemis of the silver bow and arrows formed of silver light. Eternal maiden of the moon, beloved leader of the hunt. She stalks her prey fleet and fast with quiver hung across her back. The hunt, her power and her bliss when loose her arrows never miss. May I run with you now through the green forest glade? Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis, guide my arrow true Artemis, guide my arrow true Lady of the wild things and forest nymphs running free Her bird is the majestic crane, the silver fir, her sacred tree Goddess of the moon and hunt, running towards the morning light She runs with lion, wolf and bear, running free with unbound hair May I run with you now through the green forest glade Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis guide my arrow true Artemis guide my arrow true Goddess of the raging seas Stirs the waves with a silver leash And with a cry and mighty roar She hurls them fast upon the shore Moon maiden rides the night sky In a chariot drawn by four white stags She sets down in a hidden place And calls her maidens to the chase May I run with you now through the green forest glade Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis guide my arrow true Artemis guide my arrow true May I run with you now through the green forest glade Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis guide my arrow true 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 Greetings and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. This segment is Living Mythology, and I am Hercules Invictus. Um, as those of you who have been listening to the show uh, for the past uh, hour and a half uh, know, uh, we're experiencing some connectivity difficulties. So until we're able to connect with our next guest, uh, I'll share about my own uh, living mythology. Um, as I said, I am Hercules Invictus. My Olympian mission is to promote lifelong personal development, human empowerment, out-of-the-box thinking, creative self-expression, and a dedication of one's unique talents to community service. All of my labors in this lifetime celebrate the hero's journey in myth, legend, spirituality, popular culture, and in daily life. I firmly believe that the human spirit is essentially heroic and always seeking ways to express its innate nobility 
and greatness, and that a life fully lived, dedicated to actualizing the highest we can conceive, is the noblest expression of human existence. So that's who I am, and that's what my mythic life is all about. Now we're going to listen to some mythic music, uh, Goddess of the Wisdom by Lori Lynn.
Greetings and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus and having shared a little bit about who I am and what my life is all about, I will now share my primal vision. This waking dream sequence, which I first experienced in my early childhood, has accompanied me, guided me, and informed me throughout my life. The vision is as vivid today as it was when it first visited me. And as I progress through my earthly sojourn, the ending becomes increasingly more vivid and clear. And now for the primal vision. I glimpse the top of a mountain shrouded in mist. Hovering on high, I can discern the ruins of an ancient Acropolis complex in the timeless twilight. I wait alone, formless in the silence. In time, a lone figure, powerfully built and clad in the skin of a lion, makes his way toward the abandoned temple of the highest. His hair and beard are still mostly brown, though streaked with white and gray. In his right hand, he wields a knobby club studded with bronze. My consciousness enters this figure, and henceforth I see through his eyes. I know that I am now Hercules, son of Zeus and progenitor of my line. Entering the fallen structure, I move through it unerringly until I reach a rectangular stone table, a long-neglected altar to the Olympians. Upon the altar is an antique horn from a heavenly bull, I tell myself. I then realize that I've been here many times before and that I know exactly what I must do. The horn is of monstrous size and etched with arcane glyphs. Some of the etchings are inlaid with silver. I put on my club, cautiously lift the artifact to my lips, then blow into the smaller end with all my strength. The bellowing call echoes through the firmaments. With the horn of summoning still in hand, I exit the temple and peer purposefully into the murky skies near where I myself once hovered. I can detect faint presences, spirits that have answered my summons who will help me in carrying out my Olympian mission. Some take on form while others remain formless, but this I know, all who have responded will assist me in some unique and important way. And with this realization, the visit starts to fade. I am blessed with a brief glimpse of the ruins restored to their former glory. The sky is lambent, blue, and clear. There are mythic beings engaged in joyous activity, I myself among them. And I realize that this is Mount Olympus, my eternal point of origin and return, my heaven and my soul's true home. And now for some more mythic music, this time Dave the Bard's the Pipes of Pan. Yeah. 
uh, the primary activity that I am focused upon. The age of the victim is finally over. The age of the heroes has dawned. The way the hero posits that one must utilize one's individual strengths to make one's world a better place. One need not be perfect or operating from ideal circumstances either. Are not the heroes that inspire us often tragically flawed? Are their lives not in a state of flux and full of uncertainty? Does this prevent them from attempting and accomplishing great things? No. Our Age of Heroes initiatives have harnessed the creative energy and focused the attention of many heroic individuals with radically diverse backgrounds over the years, directing it towards improving the collective quality of human life. The Age of Heroes welcomes secular, interfaith, and intrafaith participation. As with the Argonaut expeditions of old, the children of different and sometimes warring gods are invited to participate with exceptional mortals to face great challenges and accomplish something that really needs to get done. In the early dawn of this new millennium, I partnered with individuals and organizations to stem the tide of the ever-growing digital divide in New York City. Our collective efforts led to a free computer drop-in center in downtown Brooklyn and an innovative intern-extern volunteer program called New Shores. Our adventures were chronicled through the e-radio show Navigating the Digital Divide, a comic strip in Big News, a few cliffhanger tales on Sykes' journey, presentations at conferences, and an Age of Heroes special episode in the third season of my Fringe TV show. From 2005 to 2014, the focus was much narrower. I championed literacy, a functional, vocational, cultural, informational, digital, and multicultural and environmental literacy in rural northeastern Pennsylvania and northwestern New Jersey through my individual efforts in partnership with my wife, Athena, for a mythic 501c and it, via coordinated cooperative endeavors with local individuals and organizations local media, and our website chronicle those particular adventures. Now that our sojourn has returned us to northeastern New Jersey and the greater New York metropolitan area, I'm inspired to dedicate myself to actualizing the ultimate dream, manifesting Elysium in the here and now, hence the Elysium project. Um, Elysium is the highest heaven the mortal mind can conceive. Uh, its aim is to make this world a paradise for all. If you're going to have a vision, I believe that you might as well have a very bold vision. And now for another mythic song, The Cauldron Born by Dave the Bard. In Greece, we knew the cauldron as the horn of Amalthea, also called the horn of plenty, uh, also called the cornucopia. Feel the powers of earth, sea and sky. 
shades of the night Hear the call of our ancestors of blood and bone The powers of earth, sea, and sky, of dragon and fairy, and shades of the night. He calls to his ancestors of blood and bone. Of Spell of power, our witch's room. 
to the powers of earth, sea and sky, of dragon and fairy, and shades of the night. We call to our ancestors of blood and bone, of womb and tomb and standing stone. Lady, stir your cauldron well, chant your words and sing your spell. Deep within this darkened hall, hear the goddess carried when called. Come and taste of the cauldron's brew and magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your Keridwen's children, the cauldron born. Oh, lady, stir your cauldron well, chant your words and sing your spell. The cauldron's brew and magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your Keridwen's children, the cauldron born. You're the cauldron born. And welcome back to Pride of Olympus Thank you for joining us In our mythic Living or our living Mythology segment And uh, now I'll close the show by telling you About the Pride of Olympus uh, The Pride of Olympus is our Merkaba Our sun chariot Our celestial barge The wheels within wheels shamanic vehicle That facilitates our journey To the astral realm Of Gaia's world tree The part of Olympus is our metaphorical vehicle for exploring various thematically related but seemingly different approaches concerned with explaining our human origins, guiding our human development, and actualizing our maximal potential. The part of Olympus supports all of humanity's efforts to transcend this world and venture forth into the great beyond, be they metaphysical, mechanical, or even imaginal. And like all astral conveyances, the part of Olympus can and does assume many forms, including the form of a podcast. Uh, This is Hercules Invictus, wishing you all joyous journeys and amazing adventures. And we will close with Dave the Bard's Antlered Crown and Standing Stone, another mythical song.
Part of me. Mm-hmm. 